0: All right, everybody, welcome to Bears All Access here at PNC Studios at Hallis Hall. Brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with the Fuel Up to Play 60 crowd celebrating a decade. I like it. I like it. Getting getting the body moving big, Tom Thayer. I could take some of that advice about right now. If I could just play 60 every day, I'd be a happier individual. If you could play 30, you'd be a healthier human being. So focus on 30 first, and then we'll work on the 60. We've got Chase Daniel coming up in our next segment. And throughout the show tonight, the Bears quarterback will join the program as the Bears get ready for Pack-A-Week. And, folks, I was talking with Tom earlier this week. We shoot our videos that you could see on uh, – The website, the Bears website, and also on WBBM and the score. And uh, Tom is usually in a very, 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 very rotten mood during Packer week. But he's generally, today, I'd say very upbeat. So what's the big switch? I'm angst.
1: I am very angst. That's why I'm taking my vest off. You know, it's just different. It's it's uh, Packer Week is not something you get ready for because it stays in your system your whole life. If you ever play for the Bears, you're a Bears fan, whatever. It's not something you're you know you're thinking about it three days in advance. It's something that you prepare for, whether it's you know having uh, you know chili cook-offs or having friends over that are Packer fans or just having that rivalry that kind of heats up throughout the week. And,
0: and you get pretty animated and irritated, though.
1: You know what, though? It's different because when I played for the Bears, we never got beat by Green Bay. And after all the years now of never being less invested as a Bears fan, it just gets to me. It, that, that post-podium when we're doing the post-game broadcast and we're either in the broadcast booth or, or leaving the stadium, and you can see those guys addressing the podium. And I don't want to see that anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of I'm tired of being around it, and it's so hard – to leave that stadium, especially last year at the end of that
0: game when the way, the way things unfolded.
1: And luckily, you know, thankfully for us that it just pointed the barrels, the arrow straight up for the Bears.
0: They learned a lot from that, yeah. no, no question, as they have learned a lot about the week one loss this year. So many comparisons, week 15 and week one. It, it would be true for any team, because week one's the great unknown. You don't know what you're getting from your team, you have no idea, you don't have any idea what the season's gonna look like. And now here week 15, we have a pretty good idea of what it's looked like. This team's been resilient, and they've ripped off four wins in five weeks. It's been a good start to the second half. There's confidence. I heard Mitch Trubisky at the podium this week. sound. He says, I don't care who we're playing next. Just bring them on. That was basically his message. I, I like the attitude.
1: Right, I mean that's the attitude you have to have because you're not going to give any one opponent unrealistic amount of respect. But you know, you talk about the similarities of last year to this year. There is no similarities to the Chicago Bears team that they're going to be facing Sunday that they faced at the beginning of the season. And I think it's an, just a completely different football team. And there's a lot of differences on the Green Bay Packers. Also, their one consistent is that they have Aaron Rodgers, and he's such a instigator of their success. But I think in the the path that the Bears have been on—it's been a—it's—it's it's been a, of improvement and significant improvement in the last four or five weeks. What are you
0: seeing from the Packers?
1: It, it's hard to overlook Aaron Rodgers because, to me, I think that Aaron Rodgers is the best player in the NFL. So when you see what he's able to do to contribute to other players, maybe you know benefiting from playing with him, some of their offensive linemen benefiting playing with him from his quick decisions his arm talent, his accuracy, his decision-making process, trying to take a young head coach and help him develop because the quarterback is more experienced than the head coach. And I see there's a lot of responsibilities on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. They did go out and tap the free agency market this year. In the free agents, they got Adrian Amos from the Bears and the
0: two defensive ends they got. They're super talented football players. Yeah, and a Darius Smith impression. Yeah. But but I, I will say, if you just looked at it from something on paper, statistically they don't shine. But here's where they get you, and they always have with Aaron Rodgers. He's terrific in the red zone. He is terrific on third down. They keep themselves typically in really good third down situations, but they score points when they have to. They score points before half. They score points coming out of the break. The Bears have done that too in the last three weeks Very well, and it creates that take away a possession and score before they get the chance to get the football again. The two-for-one, which Aaron Rodgers has been great at over the course of his career, and they're doing that again this year. I think they have 14 touchdowns on opening drives of either half, and that's pretty darn good right now, and they take advantage of your mistakes, and so he doesn't make any. Two interceptions, and they do take the ball away. Super manipulative with the snap count at the line of scrimmage. And if you do
1: get – if you jump off sides, if you're a little bit off balance, he's going to look for a way for someone to go deep and try to attack you because of it. But you know what's interesting is Mitch is getting good at it too. His snap count at home is becoming a verbal weapon. And yeah. I just think that you're going to have to focus on the discipline of the defensive line this week, not to get off balance or off sides – because even if you're a defensive lineman and you kind of jump a little bit, but then you're kind of
0: retreating back before you snap the ball, you're, really, you you're out of position. Yeah. Well, you're, Mitch's third and one hard count, that was a penalty for a first down, and that was on a scoring drive. So it was a, a catch by Allen Robinson. He was terrific. I, you know, you brought it up. I talked about it with him, too. After interceptions the last two weeks, you've got it memorized by now. 30 of 38, 386 yep. touchdowns, including one rushing and 10 yards of completion. So that's a quarterback who says, hey, I made a mistake. I'm not going to make another one. Keep moving in the right direction.
1: Well, you know, I think that's going to be great to talk to Chase about because, you know, to get into the mind of a quarterback, you have to ask a quarterback. And I think it's really interesting to see – when you get someone that's been in that room, that's been filtering that information, to get a, get a line
0: on it now. Chase Daniel, coming up next, we're with the Fuel Up 60 crew here at Hattles Hall. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy from PNC Studios. I'm Jeff Joniak with Tom Thayer, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. All right, everybody, back at PNC Studios here at Hattles Hall on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. With Dan Brearley, our producer and Paul Zeranger engineer. I'm Jeff Joniak. I almost said little Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> My guy, little Z. I'm Jeff Joniak with Tom Thayer, and this is brought to you by IGS Energy. We welcome in Chase Daniel, the veteran quarterback. What is it, 11 years, 13 years? 11. 11 years. Don't add too many yeah, to me. Yeah, 11 years. 11 years in the league, man. I tell you, you, you talk like a coach, you play like a coach, you think, the game in a very unique way uh, which I guess a lot of veteran quarterbacks eventually become that way but it's always fun listening to you so thanks for taking the time to to join us on the show this week in front of the play 60 crew you know yeah, you play more it. than 60 every day I love it no no question we do got to yeah. get everybody up and moving thanks for having Remember me when on. you were a kid what'd you do because you're, l- you're a little younger 60. than Tom and I. I played 60, yeah? yeah. See, we're day. running around from dawn to dusk, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know if kids all do that anymore. They don't make them like they used to. They do not, Chase. They do not. They, they, uh, how's my uh, Missouri buddy there? My, my uh, Missouri buddy. Used to be a Big big, uh, big 8, Big 12 guy like me at Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. But now you're big time SEC, over there. SEC, right? SEC, Yeah. I know, I know. I, can't, I don't remember what it was like to play in the Big 12. It's crazy. To, That's I weird. used to hate Missouri basketball young yeah. before your time. Remember uh, Norm? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. They were yeah. great. Oh were yeah. Really we had some battles with Iowa yeah. State, yeah, but yeah, we're absolutely. talking football with the Bears quarterback. Tom, take it away.
1: Chase, uh, Jeff just brought some stuff about the, uh, how many years you've spent in the NFL. Last year be, or last week before the game, Eli Manning says he doesn't want to be an assistant coach and he doesn't like being a backup. Would you be a good coach?
2: I mean, I think I'd be a great coach. Um, but do I want to be a coach? Probably not.
1: So I so this past uh, two weekends ago, oh, I'm Wait, walk- ask him why. Uh, why?
2: Well,
0: <laughs> f- f- <laughs> I, I figured that was coming, but
2: the, the why didn't. Um, I, I just see, like, how much they work and how much they do um, behind the scenes, right? And I've, I've given so much to this game already. And, and I love my family too much to, to be away from them. And it takes a special... <laughs> Takes a special type of person um, to to be away from their family and their kids, and, and obviously you make it work. But um, you know, as of, as of now, I, I would say no to, to coaching.
1: You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was watching the high school state championship games, and I was looking at the quarterback position specifically. And it's not a bunch of Cam Newtons and Ben Roethlisberger's out there. There's a lot more guys that are your size. So I'm gonna. So in high school, what are the two things that high school quarterbacks should learn to do better than everybody else in order to start taking their size to see how it fits into that position? Yeah,
2: I would. I would say. I would say the number one thing is work ethic, um, especially in high school. You you have to show everyone, including your teammates and your coaches, that you want to be there, that you want to be the best that you possibly can be. Right. There's in high school you have so many people going out for the team. You don't know who's going to make it. You have to sort of separate yourself. And two, you, I mean, you, you got to be able to throw the football. I mean, you you got to be able to be accurate with the football. Um, and uh, if you can do that, I think in high school, that's sort of what separates guys um, from – you know, who can throw it to who can't, and, and that's who sort of will succeed, especially at the quarterback position.
1: When you looked at your talents at the conclusion of your high school career, because you were more than a quarterback, did Missouri have a system in place already that was going to fit your talents, or did they have to kind of tweak it around what you brought to the table?
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, I committed there uh, after my junior year, before my senior year, and um, they were in the process of... Um, of switching offenses to really suit Brad Smith, who, who came before right. me, uh, a living legend in his own right. I mean, truly one of the first of a kind, sort of dual threat, yeah. new age type yeah. quarterbacks. And and I mean, I w- he's, a, he's a better person, first of all, than he is a player. Um, we still stay in touch to this day, but they sort of switched it to him or the run option, RPO type stuff, sort of before anyone was doing it. And then, you know, when I got there uh, my freshman year, um, that's sort of when the switch started to uh, hey let's get six and a half seven yards deep in the shotgun let's get the ball of our hands let's go five wide um, you know shack the halfback back in the backfield take advantage of what the defense is giving us and and that's why we were able to put up so many uh, really so much good numbers in in college I mean it was fun to play but also you know you look at the personnel that I had Jeremy Macklin Martin Rucker Chase Kaufman I I could go on and on these guys played long time in the league. Right. Um, so that, that helps. When,
0: and Brad when wound up and played wide receiver in the NFL. Did, did, when you got in, did anybody try to switch you to another position?
2: I don't know if I could play another position, <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad they didn't. Uh, so no, for me, it was, it was, it was quarterback all the way. Well,
0: Br- Brad was
1: kind of a quarterback that was more of a runner where you yeah. were a quarterback that was more of a thrower.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no question, but at the same time, in Missouri, I think I ran for over 1,000 yards in my career, so it was more of a, a scrambling type thing, so, you know, I averaged what, 350 yards a year running. Some were called runs, um, you know, but it also helps playing almost in this same offense that we sort of have now, right. uh, more more empty backfield, but um, it, it definitely helped, and I think that's why I've been so good, and, you know, six of my 11 years have been in this offense, um, you know, whether it's with Matt Nagy or D- Doug Peterson or, or Andy Reid. Um, so that's what I
0: feel so comfortable about this offense. This year's been an evolution, hasn't it? Uh, it's been something. I mean, whatever expectations may or may not have been outside, inside, personally, you know, individually, throughout the locker room, you know, you never know how it's going to all unfold. Uh, what are your impressions of how it's unfolded? I could ask you a zillion questions <laughs> of what you thought it might be, but just the whole process and where we're at week 15 of this season
2: yeah it's, it's crazy right only promised three more games and, and that's sort of in the quarterback room been our been our calling call right like uh, our calling card is just like hey you you're only promised three more Wednesdays you're only promised three more Thursdays so make the absolute best of them take it one game at a time but obviously if you if you look at the the arc of the season, it's not where we want it to be, especially to start, you know, we we had some some tough games, some close games that we should have won and and got blown out a couple times, like, you know, the New Orleans games, that's just, that's not like us. And and one of the things that we haven't been super proud of, you know, as of late, we've protected Soldier Field, but at the beginning of the year, we lost some games at Soldier Field that we should not have lost. Um, And I I just think offensively, uh, you look at it and, It's really the tale of of two halves of the season. The first eight games, we we just we didn't have an identity, Uh, and and sometimes it it takes a long time to find an identity, to find you know a uh, quarterback and a play caller, head coach sort of get on the same page. But also see, you know, we've had some injuries here and there. We've had to have some fill-ins in offensive line. We've had some fill-ins at receivers, and and I think it's just it's it's gotten to a point now where you look at the second half of the season and we're firing all cylinders. And I really like to go back to really the first Lions game. Uh, really, when we started, it, it was at home and, and it just it just felt different. We scored three touchdowns that day. Our, our defense played you know really well. And then, you know, you go to L.A., Mitch got a little hurt. Take that out of the equation. But every other game since then, I mean, we've been firing all cylinders. And, and the thing that I think uh, really that that goes unnoticed is really the first half of the season we had like 55 to 58 to 60 plays a game. We weren't on the field at all. And that, that's just, that's not normal. And we were putting our defense in very bad spots where they're having to play 75, 80 plays a game. You look at, since the Lions game, it's like 65, 68, 72, 75. Like those are the type of games that we want. We want to control the tempo. We want to be on the field. And guess what? The, the narrative is now, hey, we're staying on the field on third down. We're, we're much better on third down in the second half of the season than we were in the first half of the season.
1: You know, a couple of weeks ago you said you saw Mitch Trubisky have the best Thursday practice that he has. Can you, can you recognize a good practice as the offense as a whole – or do you break it down specifically to the quarterback position?
2: I think you can tell when everyone's sharp, but as a quarterback and being around um, this offense, I, I know what it's like to be sharp in a practice as a quarterback. And whether you like it or not, this offense starts and ends with the quarterback so if Mitch has a good practice usually the entire offense is going to have a good practice but yeah I mean I there was just something about it and me and me and coach Ragone sort of talked about it and I said something and and I meant it I usually don't say a lot at the end of the practice like when we break it down with the quarterbacks but I just told him I just let I just let him know hey man like I'm I'm being serious like you you put together today probably one of the best Thursday practices I've seen in in quite some time and and it just Ball was jumping off of his hand. He was sharp. He was jumping around. He was using his cadence. It was just all those type things, and that's continued to progress, and he's continued to build on that.
1: When you're in practice and you hear the play called in the huddle, do you still have a quarterback clock in your head when you're watching Mitch run the play and you're going, okay, this is how I feel it?
2: Yeah, there's no question, especially because uh, in the National Football League, you really don't uh, get reps as a backup. So you have to be able to – you know, go out there and 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 run through it and walk through it, and stay behind it, and um, so that's what I do every single play. I'm I'm right behind it, walking through as as up I'm playing the play.
0: Chase Daniel, our guest here on Bears All Access. We're going to take a break here from Haddis Hall at PNC Studios. We're brought to you by IGS Energy, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. <laughs> Welcome back to Bears All Access here at PNC Studios at Haddis Hall. Jeff Joniak top there, and Chase Daniel. The Chicago Bears quarterback, we brought to you by IGS Energy and a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Chase, kind enough to join us as we get ready for the Green Bay Packer game on Sunday. Uh, let's talk play calling because there is an art to it. We know, we know that, and Matt Nagy uh, is now in, in deep into his second season as the Bears head coach and play caller. And what have you picked up? In terms of that art, and you say you're not going to be a coach, but would you have your own style?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think um, Matt is is one of the better play callers um, that I've had a chance to be around. Probably him, Sean Payton, and Andy Reid. Um, but but with with Matt, um, it all comes down to the the quarterback play caller. Um, Relationship, And I think him and Mitch have a great one, and I think it's just going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to evolve. Uh, it, it takes some games in this offense now to see what your quarterbacks like, what your quarterbacks don't like, uh, et cetera. So what I think he's done a really good job of these past eight weeks is, first of all, he's run the football. Uh, and, and that's where it starts up front with our guys, uh, with with Demo and, and uh, you know, those big hogs up front, man. They are they're doing well, and 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 you know we might not be running for 180 yards or 190 yards, but what we're doing is we are getting almost five yards of carry. So, that, so first of all, that's great. And, and by the way, we ran for 150 something last week, so that's that's huge. That's where this sort of this offense starts, and everything sort of comes off of that. So, uh, we're able to get our under center play actions going. We're able to get some of our shot plays going. Our RPO game. I think he's just done such a really good job. Uh, mixing it up as of late.
1: When you watch tape of your opponent do you look at exactly how your scheme fits against your opponent or do you look at vulnerabilities within their defense to say Hey, you know, keep this play in mind or this area of the field open.
2: Yeah, there's no question that the first thing we do as quarterbacks um, when we're watching film is we definitely look for weaknesses in their defense. And and I think the coaches more so look at how we're going to exploit that based on our scheme. Uh, And so, what we're doing as quarterbacks when we're watching film, we are Not only are we studying the 11 defenders on the field, but we're also studying the tendencies and the play calls of the defensive coordinator, who is Mike Pettin in this case. So uh, it's a lot more than just turning on the film and just watching, hey, that looks like man coverage. Hey, that looks like single high zone. Hey, that looks like, you know, cover two. Uh, It's what does he do on third and Two. What does he do on third and eight? Okay, we're in the red zone here. How does this calls differ? I mean, it's it's very intricate, uh, and and we have these these sort of routines at, at the quarterback room that we like to follow. Like today um, is really for us a uh, a base install day, meaning first and second down, run, play action pass, screens, whatever. It's it's normal around the league that does that. Well, tonight, uh, as quarterbacks, um, we like to get a head start on tomorrow. Tomorrow for us is third down. So tonight, we just literally just came from uh, Mitch, myself, and and Tyler Bray. We will watch third downs. So we'll break it up by third downs and, and see what they do and see what we can expect. And then, you know, later tonight, we'll get the play call sheet for tomorrow for the third down. So that's sort of how the week goes, so forth and so on. Tomorrow would be red zone. And, Saturday sort of review, so it, it's it's a it's a crazy week.
0: Is it fair to say in 11 years you've seen everything, or do defenses still surprise even you? I mean, in your I th- eyes.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think defenses evolve just like offenses evolve. Um, you know, the the big thing this week and and really, you know, this sort of flavor of the week slash flavor of the year is this what we called simulated pressure, meaning. They're bringing one, but they're dropping one and they're playing shell coverage behind it. That's sort of the flavor of the year for defensive coordinators. So, um, and all this like linebackers mugged up in the A and B gap, right? So, if you told me, you know, five years ago that this would be happening, I'd say, you're crazy. Like, no one does it. It's a 4 2 box. These guys are like just boom, 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 and you know, you're playing cover three. Uh, so they 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 have to. You know, you just to...
0: confused half the audience. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm getting a little too intricate. There there are some people out there that uh, yes,
2: I that get it. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, you're you're really studying tendencies out there.
0: With that said, so when they start dropping now, uh, a sixth defensive back, a dime, which is is becoming very popular, also, it seemingly would take away every possible viewing lane you have. What are the challenges as a quarterback when you see dime?
2: Yeah, uh, and this this team plays a lot of dime. Uh, they're I think they're first in the National Football League at, at number of dime snaps. So, so what that means out there, they have four D linemen, one linebacker, and they have six defensive backs, so six small people that try to cover our guys. Um, and it is different because, um, you know, they have a couple of dime backs that they bring in the game. They take a linebacker out that they feel really comfortable in coverage, whether it's covering Tariq Cohen or... You know, Jesper, or you know, a number of our tight ends. So it does it does make it a little more difficult to prepare, just because you're not sure how they will play us. But um, yeah, I mean, they can do just about everything. It's 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 another corner out there instead of a linebacker. So it's not the norm, but you know, with them, you know, we, we got to be prepared for it.
1: With the with the change at center between Cody and James. The flight of the football from a snap by Cody does does it change your eyes at all, or have you become consistent with the flight of the football where you know exactly where it's going to be?
2: I think uh, because Mitch and, and uh, you know Cody have worked together now all of last year and then almost half of this year, I think it's it's definitely. Um, they got it down, right. and um, it, it does, it. no, that's a fair question, because it definitely changes from center to center, like, when I'm taking a, a snap under center from, from James, my hands are much higher on his, on his bottom, it, it you know, from Cody, it's much lower, I'm sure you guys really want to know that, but it does, it does change, there's no question, um, and, and I think the comfort level of Mitch and Cody really played into that decision uh, of, of switching the two
1: yeah well you know I think Cody he's a, he's a good settlement on that inside because he can help develop the talent of Rashad Coward and still continue the development of James Daniels and I don't think James Daniels ability to play center is out of the realm of possibility going f- in the future in his career but I think they're really fortunate to have a guy as talented as Cody that can make those changes and still you know hold up to the leadership that's expected of him I
2: totally agree and 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 it just so you know it is it is not easy to to move from guard to center right in the middle of the season I mean Cody had not snapped a ball since the Philadelphia Eagles game because we knew sort of then that he was probably going to make the switch right so he wanted to playoff game yeah playoff game yeah um uh and so it, it's it's not easy, so uh, a credit to them for, for being able to do that and, and do it so well.
0: It's Chase Daniels, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Do you ever have a good time with James Daniels and Chase Daniel and the whole Daniels, Daniel thing? What's that dynamic in the room?
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, for, for me, obviously there's – well, not, I say obviously. Uh, there's no S on my name. There's an S on Daniels' name, James's. So um, I still, to this day – uh, Missouri fans, Bears fans, whatever you call it, they will still put an S on my name, and, and I try to tell them. There's only one of me. There's not multiple. It, no S, please. Um, but it's still, it, you know, it's just it's part of the deal. Soldiers I got three first Field. names. They, so. uh,
0: many people still call it Soldier's Field. Yes. Yeah. Here in right? the great state of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's inerrant. Uh, as you look at your season, uh, I know in training camp you said you felt like you were the most – ready most prepared best playing the best football of your career 11 years in and that's certainly the way you'd want want it to be you you still feel that way 15 weeks later
2: yeah there's no question I I just I felt like um, you know being able to play in a couple games uh, last year um, and then just building on the preseason and building on the games this year uh, it all helped right so uh, for me uh, I have a really 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 good routine that's Uh, sort of time-tested over 11 years. I haven't really changed much. Um, Maybe I've changed more in the recovery aspect of it. As I get older, my body needs to recover more. Uh, That's just science. Um, So maybe instead of one massage, I'll get two massages in a week. I'll eat much healthier. Uh, You know, I have a big sweet tooth. I don't eat as much sugar um, as I used to, uh, which is hard. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely feel like I've played my best football to date. I mean, you know, I've been in 11 years, only have five starts. So uh, the more I get a chance to start, the more I have to come in and start, the the better I'm going to get. Did you
0: envision that as a possibility when you entered the NFL?
2: You know, I entered the NFL undrafted. So my whole goal and my whole mentality was just do anything and everything I can to make the team uh, for the first few years. Uh, and then I was able to back up Drew two or three years and then move on to Kansas City. Uh, and, and listen, you know, I'm a backup quarterback and I tell these guys, other backup quarterbacks that ask me a lot, like, how have you stayed in the league so long? How have you done this? Um, you know, you, you have to be able to push through and you have to have that belief that you will be a starting quarterback. If you're not, then you're in the wrong profession. If you just are okay with being a backup quarterback, um, it, it's not good enough.
1: I was wondering, do we have to take a break or can we go? No. Yeah. So, oh, we're breaking. I didn't
0: okay. see the well, break cause, sign. Because I, really. I have a long-winded okay. question. We'll save yes. it big time. Save okay. it for the other side as we get you set for Bears-Packers with Chase Daniel here from PNC Studios at Halas Hall. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy as we get you set for Bears and Packers coming up at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Bears fans, get out of the cold and hit the beach in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico with your favorite Bears players, including Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris. Inside the Bears hosts Lauren Screedon and Spice Adams, the diminutive one now. Boy, he continues to uh, shed the LBs. He's looking good. And Apple Vacations this March. Visit applevacations.com slash bears for more info. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, and our guest this week is Bears quarterback Chase Daniel. As uh, you look at things and the way they've, they've gone and, and the constant, the constant pressure of playing quarterback in the National Football League, but in a city like this. I'm not saying every city isn't like this, but it definitely is rare. And this is a unique place to play quarterback. You've felt it, you've seen it, you've seen it from the inside out. How challenging is that? You know, sorry, all I heard was Cabo
2: San Lucas. And yeah, and your name, it, I, my, my, name was not, my name wasn't on there. I, man, I mean, I'm it's sure there's still time. 10 degrees outside right now, and
0: five on Sunday. Yeah,
2: no, so I, I heard something about pressure. And um, yeah, I mean, listen, in, in this town, um, especially, Uh, a a great sports town like Chicago, right? Chicago Bears, I mean, you you grew up watching, first of all, them and the Packers play. Uh, And it's not an easy town um, to play in because um, there is a lot of pressure to be great. And when you're not great, um, fans are gonna criticize you. Um, That's part of the job, right? Uh, And I always tell um, Mitch, I always tell any quarterback that I'm with, and he knows this, but when you win, you're going to get way too much credit, and when you lose, you're going to get way too much blame. You
0: have to stay even keel. Um, and it's and- almost cliche. To say it, but everybody does. There's certain things about football that just continue to come back, yeah. and you think, ah, that's just lip service, but in reality, that that is the case.
2: And and because this league is is so crazy, right? It's ever changing. Stuff changes every single week. It is a what have you done for me lately league. And if you do not live up to that, if you do not score enough fantasy points, if you do not do <laughs> X, Y, and Z, I mean, there's always going to be. Um, something wrong with you and um, you know especially in this in this day and age of social media and Twitter right everything's out there everyone has a voice I love it I'm 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 the worst at it I'm I'm on Twitter yes we're
0: we're not so you you can't shut it off yeah just have because why why why, why do
2: you like it? I enjoy I enjoy the interaction the interaction with fans I enjoy um, listening to sort of the narrative of each week and how the fans are portraying our team, and it's just it feels like a connection to me with the fans. And um, you know, I'm definitely not naive not to think there's there's some bad stuff out there, but you got to filter it, right? Like the only the only thing that, I think I think the Bill Belichick quote, if you if you didn't see it, the Bill Belichick quote, if you didn't see it um, about the 53 men in the locker room, those are the opinions yeah. that matter. I did see it. That. Uh, that that rings true, man. That that really does. At the end of the day um these are the guys you got to make happy
1: now you took my you, you took all my fire because going into the break you were going to let me ask a <laughs> oh, long way. question i Well know. you're signing autograph so no. sorry no but that that's what was I, that where you're going yes. well because let's I was, talk about I was, it more though well i was watching some of the belichick and nick saban they were talking about it so i think the cell phone has killed camaraderie on a team because when you go to these facilities and they're so super in size and everything and when these guys get out of meetings and I saw there was a player that um, on another professional team that text messaged somebody during practice. He was sitting out practice because he's injured. He's on the practice field and he text message a that. response to someone. Yeah. Um, you know, and the only reason I ask you because you have the most experience of anybody and you were around a generation before the whole social media industry was so prevalent. Yeah. Do, do you think it's, it's hurt the camaraderie of... Of, of a team, of the constant relationship that you have with the guys in the locker room, because that's all you had?
2: There's no question. I, I think it's hurt more than camaraderie of the team. I think it's hurt, hurt our culture. Right. Um, you, you never see, when you go out to eat anymore, and, I, and I'm a big, because I know when to turn it off, Like, but when you go out to eat with my wife, and I look across the restaurant, what do you what do you see? Oh, yeah. Right. No talking. Oh, well... Shouldn't you be where your feet are? That's a Chuck Pagano quote, and, and it, it's never rang more true. And, and, and uh, you know, for me, um, I, like, like you said, we didn't grow, I didn't grow up in the cell phone culture, right. but, but yeah. I'm living in it right now. Correct. So, so I have a really good view of, of both things. I didn't get a cell phone until I was 17 years old. I saw, a th- like, an 8-year-old with a phone the other day that, know, that knew how to use it better than me. I mean, true true story. So well, yeah, it goes. See, it goes. Have
0: you, have you ever seen the the, the 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 little kid who you know they they, they they don't know how to turn a book. Yeah. Because they they they're sliding over like there's, it's gonna yeah, it yeah. there, I mean, it's a phone. There's 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 no
2: question. And, and listen, we have a two year old kid, and and you know all these kids have these iPads these days and nonstop and don't know how to talk. We are very very strict on that. But to get back to the question, that's that's just a little aside. Um, yeah, there's no question. And I think Matt has done a really good job here because he has truly installed a no cell phone rule in meetings at all. You are going to hang out with your buddies, um, and, and I think it's helped. You, you really just don't, you don't see them anymore um, now. Is it a good escape for guys to to go on and you know surf social media or text some people? Sure, but there's no question that it that it has hurt the camaraderie.
1: Right. You know, one one area I think will help. In 1987, we went on strike and we had no ability to mass communicate what was really going on there. The message was lost in the trans transition translation whatever you want to say. You know, when you talk about nowadays and you talk about the new collective bargaining agreement that's coming up. So considering where you are in your career, do you think about helping a generation after you through these negotiations because I think a lot of people have brought it up, but I do think that the social media will help these guys be more in contact and understand what the message is out there.
2: Yeah, there's there's a, that's a that's a great question and um there's no question about it. So, if you guys don't know, I'm I'm the NFL Players Association rep for our team. I've I've been going to these conferences for um, eight years now, and, and all that all that says is that the the NFL players have a union, right? And so I help represent. I'm one of 32 representatives of a union, and, and what? Thank thank you. Uh, just because I, I care about uh, I care about the business side of football and 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 taking care of players right like the average career is three years to me not good enough so the average guy is retired at 24 years old right what are they going to do after sports your your rookie contract after taxes after agent fees a couple hundred thousand dollars over three over three years a couple hundred thousand dollars you want to buy your mom a car all right 50 grand you have 150 you want to buy a house no money You're, you're broke i mean it's it's insane about the number of people that are broke but there's no question. Which is what. Another thing's interesting is that if I if I end up playing uh, two more years, which I plan on doing, I will have played through three CBA's. Right. Which is very just. It's not normal. Right. I've been through a lockout year, so I I get everything that's going on. And there's no question that the the former players are are very high on our priority list, and they do have a voice because of social media now. Their kids might be helping them out. Right. Read the tweet, right. but
0: absolutely there's no question that, that they do. How about the future players, though, at the same time? Because there are times, and I don't want to get into a whole NFLPA and, and ownership and what side of yan type of argument, but there are some, in some cases, and I'm not going to name names, I hear things that disturb me over the years from these, these um these meetings and this vitriol that comes out is that it's a, it's almost a me for. I, I don't I don't care about the future. I care about now, and that would bother me because if you don't grow this game, the game will be in trouble. There's no question. And you don't know when that trouble comes.
2: Yeah, and and, and I really love where our team's at um, right now. With that, we actually just had an NFL Player Association meeting. Some people from the union came down, and. Um, we talked about a multitude of issues. Um, you know, the collective bargaining agreement, which is called the CBA, it's what the NFL and the NFL Players Association, the rule, the handbook that they play under, it's it's expiring in 2020. Um, and they came and talked to us about it today. And, You would be surprised at our team, how many people talked about the future of the game. Not only do we want to get a better deal for us, but we want to look out for those guys that are in high school right now, that are in college right now. We want them to have better benefits than us. We want them to get paid more than us. Um, And uh, not only are you trying to take care of, of us, you are trying to take care of former players and the future
0: of the game. That's Chase Daniel. We'll continue here from Hallis Hall, PNC Studios. It's Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People who get it, learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom there, and Chase Daniel, our guest Bears Packers on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Uh, it's great to have the magnitude of a game like this. I know, and I, I talked to Buster Screen in the locker room today, just, No matter what, following coach's orders, keeping it one game at a time, just focusing on this. But the undeniable fact is it's a a playoff game. You know, it's a playoff game.
2: There's no question. I mean, I think, um, you know, obviously we talked about it earlier in the show. We didn't start the season like we wanted to. Um, As of late, four out of five, I think. And uh, gaining some momentum. And we've made this game – uh, a game that matters. Not that it didn't or it wouldn't if we weren't in because it's Bears-Packers. I get that. But um, it, it, it matters. And so, um, you know, it matters for both teams. And, and I think both teams realize that anytime you get the Bears and the Packers together, it, it's going to be – there's going to be some fireworks. And, and for us, the only thing we can control is how we prepare on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, travel Saturday, and play Sunday. We can't. I I I get it. We need some help here and there, whatever. Well, if we don't win, (laughs) the help doesn't matter.
1: When you talk about the preparation on Wednesday, Thursday, and stuff, uh, being here for a period of time, not having an indoor facility, on these in these cold weather practicing conditions, where do you get the best concentrated work? When you get an indoor facility where it's temperature controlled and you have you know all the field size you need, or Are you a guy that you like to go outside because those are conditions? You know, me, you know, just for the preparation, I think mentally probably a little bit more concentration in the warmer conditions. There's no question,
2: especially on Wednesday, because Wednesday is our really first big work day. And so what that means is there are a lot of plays thrown at players that are new, right? So we need as much mental focus that we can possibly get way more than the physical, now, I would say tomorrow, you know, we're going to go outside. We're going to practice. Um, but but Wednesday's sort of as of late. It's been a more of a mental day for us because the, you know, 16 games, 17 weeks throughout the season, your body is, is going to feel bad. Uh, regardless of what position you are, uh, it, it's a long time to be doing it. We've been working since, you know, the middle of July. Um, and so, yeah, I mean – for, for me personally, I would have loved to have been outside today because that's the sort of the weather we're going to get on Sunday. It's looking like you right. know a high of fourteen, low of two. Um, truly, yeah, truly uh, football. The two weather. won't
0: be until nightfall. Exactly. It's going to be. Gonna feel it's going to be sunny though. <laughs> it's it's going to be sunny, so that that will help maybe. You can help deserving families by donating a gently used winter coat to the Chicago Bears Jewel Osco Coat Drive at the participating Jewel Osco locations. Now through February 28th, donations benefit the Salvation Army. Jeff Joniak, top there. Chase Daniel, our guest here, the Bears quarterback. If you could put into um, context how Matt Nagy has shepherded you guys through the difficulties this year to where you stand today. Well, I'd,
2: be? I'd say the first um, and most glaring thing from a player is he, he's never changed. He never changed when we you know, lost two or three in a row. He never changed when we weren't meeting inside expectations. Um, and I think that's a true leader of a coach, all right? Um, you have to demand excellence but understand your players at the same time. And, um, uh, of course, I mean, listen, he, he took blame for some of it that really wasn't his fault. So he showed accountability in, 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 uh, in the team and in himself. And I think that just the team, I mean, the team loves him. He's, he's a great guy. He, the team's loved him ever since his intro meeting, April 3rd or 2nd of 2018, when he first got introduced to the, to the team. Um, and, and, and Matt is a guy that is forever uh, an optimist uh and and so am i so he's never had a bad day he really he really doesn't ever get in a bad mood and and i think the team has sort of taken that on is
0: it hard to have 53 optimists sometimes yeah there's no because question he's made it clear i don't want to hear excuses i don't want to hear complaining
2: well and i and i and what i love about it and and this is this is a pretty young team right like age wise it's a very young team actually um but what I love is the accountability factor that the players have for one another. And I think that's truly when a team can take off. When it doesn't come from the head coach, it comes from Danny Trevathan or Akeem Hicks or Khalil Mack or Mitch or Alan Robinson, the leaders on the team gathering the players and saying, we're not going this way, which is bad. We're going the opposite. We're going good, and we're going to stay that level.
1: You know, I'm not a big fan of, closed door team only meetings but you guys there was brought up a couple of weeks ago about you guys having one and i'm glad there was only one because i don't think that's a message that you want to just keep getting in where they we got to figure out what's going on here and it's only amongst the players so it had to be a strong personnel led player meeting but i got to imagine as much as you talk about those other guys there's a lot of eyes that had to gravitate towards you and, you know, whether it's a young guy with no experience looking for Chase for answers or it's a guy with a minimal amount of experience that needs Chase to tell him what, what's going to happen here.
2: Yeah, no question. And in, in that so-called players meeting, it lasted a grand total of about a minute and a half. Good. So, um, you know, we're, we were never in panic mode. It was just more of a let's get right, let's move on, done, break, move on. But at the same time, I am in an interesting position, right? I'm the backup quarterback, but I'm also the longest tenured player in the NFL on this team. So I will get guys that will come up and ask for, you know, you know whatever it may be. And I do try to give leadership. But at the same time, I know that I am not the starter. Like, this is Mitch's team forever. and And so I have to sort of not walk the line, but also, like, not make my leadership known out there because that would be stepping on on Ten's feet, and that's not who I am, and and that's not the relationship Ten and I have. How how wh- how would you describe it? Um, you know, for me, it's more of a, a lead by example, um, and trying to do do all the right things, whether it's um you know getting here at five forty five in the morning, studying extra film, or staying later or staying after with some of the receivers to help, a little bit of everything behind the scenes type thing. And I think you know, listen, I'm not the only all the all backup quarterbacks will do that, right? That's there's nothing special about that. But, you know, this matters to me. The the game matters. I don't just play it just to, to play it. There's a reason, right? And it's, I love the game, and I love being here. I love being a part of the Bears. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite organizations.
1: Who gets you out of your seat? You know, during my career, we were playing, and Barry Sanders was on the other side, or Dan Marino was the other side. It kind of got you out of your seat to go and watch. Who has brought you out of your seat to watch throughout your career?
2: Oh man! Um, uh, obviously, you know I get a lot of crap for this in, in the quarterback <laughs> room, but but you know it it starts and ends with with Drew Brees. Right. Just because I was with him for so long, and he sort of taught me the ropes of being a quarterback. But man, it was it was something special to watch him. Um, you know, not only during games when he was carving guys up, but he was the same guy in practice too. Man, it was remarkable to watch.
0: You know. This could be trouble for people, but the first 38 games of his career and Mitch's career, their numbers are. Have you seen this? I have.
2: I've seen. I've seen everything. On the internet. <laughs> I have. Because Eerily it's startling, similar. and
0: the only reason I bring it up again, it's not to say 10 going to be Drew Brees. Yeah. Maybe he'll be better. Yeah. No okay. question. Okay. Or that David Montgomery is not going to be Walter Payton, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, there, there's a, every game is a referendum on a quarterback. Yeah. And to me, that's the most – I don't care what – every game's a referendum. He's not this or he's going to be this. And to me, that is the roller coaster struggle that even I have a hard time with as an analyst of of observing it all.
2: Yeah, and listen, back in the day when when Drew was putting up these numbers through the first 38 games, he wasn't getting what – say Mitch or anyone else who sh- uh, struggled a little bit of their career I mean it's 38 uh, it's a blip he's going to go on to start 300 games in the league I mean come on now like give the guy a chance to to get his feet wet and to to play and to and but you know that's that's the culture we live in today. Yeah. And and he understands it and all these other guys. There's multiple quarterbacks around the league. Sort of happened with Marcus Mariota when he was playing a little bit and got sort of replaced by Ryan Tannehill. I mean, listen, it it's it's out there and and that's why this league has turned into such a what have you done for me lately, League?
0: That's Chase Daniel. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Very, very, very good to talk to you. Thanks to the fuel up to play sixty crowd for Dan Barilli. Paul Are ranked top there. I'm Jeff Joniak. That'll do it tonight on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We'll talk to you on Sunday from Lambeau Field on WBBM. Pregame at 9, kickoff at noon. Good night, everybody.